Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by It's Source Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Well, more grim news for California this week. Governor Newsom's administration came out with these projections for how much California will be in the hole financially during this year and next year. And the numbers, folks, at the Department of Finance shocked even many expert budget watchers. No question, Lewis, the coronavirus is shoving California and the nation into a deep recession. And the forecast of the impact on state revenues and the state budget is, as you said, pretty shocking. It's projecting a decline of 25% next year in income and sales taxes alone. And that means a $54 billion state budget deficit is projected as opposed to a surplus, which is what Governor Newsom assumed when he first presented his budget in January. So what does that mean for schools? Possibly an $18 billion drop in the revenue guaranteed for schools and community colleges over two years. Well, let's focus on that today. And John, this doesn't mean that these are the final figures. I mean, there's so many unknowns. And also, you know, one thing to remember is that we don't know how much money the federal government is going to be putting into education that could offset some of these cuts. Is now a big push to get the federal government to put in more money just like they did during the Great Recession. So far, we've gotten about $2 billion from the federal government in the CARES Act, but that's not enough to stave off what we're talking about now, a potentially steep cut. It's got to be more. And John, while we're on that topic, I mean, how do these projected deficits compare to the deficits during the Great Recession? Well, you know, in terms of dollars, Lewis, it could be a lot more. Back in 2008-9, it was about $7 billion cut in that one year alone. It it was a proportion of a smaller budget back then, but the total now could be twice that much next year. We Again, we don't know fully, but it could be. And the cuts back then made up about 12% of the state's education funding, and I suspect it will be considerably higher this time around. And that is, unless the governor and the legislature recognize that these kinds of cuts would devastate schools and somehow figure out how to provide more money or take some other mitigating action. And uh, stating the obvious for folks who follow school finance, I mean, this is just one of the most complicated areas of the state budget, state policy in general, school finance. They've tried to simplify it over the years, but it is still enormously complicated. And, you know, one of the things that's complicating everything is that the governor has put off the deadline for filing income taxes until July 15th. So we won't really even know how much money the state will have for several months. And then when we do find out, it's going to come in the, when the school year has already started, which uh, is kind of a nightmare scenario for school business officers around the state. That's exactly right. Schools still have a statutory obligation to pass a budget by June 30th, and they can come back later and revise it, which you know we suspect they will. But as you said, the legislature won't know how big the size of the budget ultimately will be until after they get the revenue in July, and so that's more likely August or September. Well, John, nothing personal, but I think we've kind of reached our uh, level of competence on this particular topic, so we thought we'd better turn to somebody who is actually a, a genuine expert in school financing. Well, speak for yourself, Lewis, but I agree it's very difficult. Nonetheless, we will turn to John Gray. He is president and CEO of School Services of California, a well-known school consulting firm based in Sacramento. Welcome, John. 
Thank you very much for having me. So the forecast released by the Department of Finance says that K-12 and community colleges can expect to receive $18 billion less in revenue from the state general fund over two years. John, break that down and tell us what it means. If it were just to be applied to school districts on a per ADA basis, that would be hugely significant. That would be about $2,300 per student. It would be historically the highest cut ever in school district funding. So we don't expect that to be just an across-the-board revenue cut. We think they'll employ mechanisms that they have done in the past. The question is, how do they apply those cuts, whatever those dollar amounts are, to school districts? Do they just apply it to the base grant, or do they apply it to the base grant and let the computation go forward on the supplemental and concentration grant? Without getting too far in the weeds, if they just applied it to the base grant, pretty much every school district in the state would be receiving about the same cut. If they just applied it to the base grant and let the formula run with supplemental and concentration grant dollars, those districts that receive more dollars because they have more free and reduced price meal students, EL students, would receive bigger cuts. But if you look at the last recession, there was this one categorical, and you guys might remember it. It was called EIA, Economic Impact Aid. And while the state went to various state categoricals and applied cuts, that was the one categorical they didn't touch. And that's the one that's most similar to the current supplemental and concentration grant. So if I were to sum it up, it's going to be a big cut, but they're going to have various mechanisms to apply those reductions to school. I think it'll be a combination of deferrals, maybe some categorical cuts. We don't have a lot like we did last time, and maybe actually reductions to the base grant. So a lot of variations. We're going to be a lot smarter when the May revise comes out and have a better idea of what the governor is planning. So they're also counting on a lot of federal aid, John, and not you won't build a budget around it, but certainly hopeful. Maybe that's one reason why we got these figures out early was to show the dramatic impact on schools to those in Congress, perhaps? I agree with you 100%, and I hope it works. I think a lot of this was to let the federal government know the impact of this economic shutdown, specifically on California, and how important California is to the national economy. So yes, I would agree. Uh, Getting it out in this timely fashion might help leverage more dollars from the federal government. They've already stepped up a little bit, but they could step up a lot more. So I would agree with that. I think coming out a little bit early is so it's not as big of a surprise at the May revise, but also to let the feds know we could use some more assistance. So that $14 billion potential cut for next year, again, assuming we hold harmless what the governor said he would do for 1920, that still would be almost twice as much in a dollar amount as even occurred in the Great Recession, isn't it? Somewhere like that, John. But remember, on a dollar amount, we receive much less dollars back in 0809. So you're right on, on a per dollar amount. So what's going to be key, I think, for school districts to get through this is what type of aid that the state of California provides to school districts to help them manage through this crisis. And so some of the things that are being talked about, some of the things that were used during the last recession were allowing school districts more flexibility. 
And I would encourage the state not to do a one-size-fits-all because districts are dramatically different based on their student makeup and, and where they find themselves in the current economic environment entering this COVID-19 recession, whatever you want to call it. And so if you look at some of the things they've done in the past is they've actually allowed school districts to shorten the school year. You might recall instead of 180 days, school districts could go down to 175 days, negotiate with their unions to take furlough days and thus having some savings. Another thing that's out there in current law If the budget goes through as indicated as we think, there's an August layoff window that could come into place. Now, most times the layoff for certificated personnel is March 15th, but part of current law states if the increase in funding is less than 2%, it would generate an August layoff window. So if districts miss March 15th because they didn't know we were going to enter this crisis, they would have another bite at the apple if they needed to reduce certificated staffing in order to balance their budgets. They also relax limit on class sizes. They shorten contributions to various categorical programs. So the state usually provides school districts with tools to help them manage through the fiscal crisis. And by the way, these tools are not good for kids. They're not good for public education. It's just a mechanism so they can survive fiscally and live to fight another day. We're talking with John Gray, president of School Services of California. I mean, you're talking about shortening the school year and these various strategies, but the governor is actually talking about trying to extend the school year to make up for this learning loss. And we had talked earlier, you, you told me just to pay for teachers would, could cost the state $123 million a day. Yes. Wow, that, that seems to be going in the other direction from what the governor has in mind and what lots of people would have in mind. Yeah, I would agree. That's going a different direction. And any days that we would add would have to come from somewhere. And so I'm not certain that we're going to be adding days if this crisis is as of the magnitude we think it is. I think there would be a possibility where they would allow school districts to actually shorten the year. Other states, just so you know, Um, During the last huge recession we had, I got calls from superintendents who came from other states that were in California districts, and they would say, what's the big deal? The state I came from, they would just mandate that the school year was shorter and automatically salaries would be reduced. It's quite different here in California. If they were to reduce the number of instructional days, that would require negotiations with the teachers union if, in fact, the teachers were going to work less days and not get paid for those days. And so even though it's a tool, it's a really tough tool. And if you look statewide, not all districts did it. Some did because they had to. And again, that's why a one-size-fits-all set of solutions that the state can provide I think it's got to be a suite of things and allow local control for districts to decide what's helpful and what is not. In terms of this governor's projection of $54 billion deficit, that seems to me just like a total estimate at this point, because it depends on how long this thing is going to go on for so many unknowns. Do you think this figure is going to have to be revised going forward? 
it is an estimate based on what we know today. And you're right. How long do we stay shut down as a state? How do we stay long do we stay shut down as a nation? And so this is going to be a very trying year for school districts trying to enact a budget for next year. So what I would expect, Lewis, is we're going to get these forecasts at the May revise. And by the way, those will be the forecasts and the assumptions provided by the governor that all the districts in the state will use to adopt their budget as of the end of June. That will be the last information they have. Now, as you know, the state is required to adopt its budget by the end of June, uh, by June 30th. But by that time, school districts will already have adopted their budget. And as you mentioned earlier, tax receipts are now delayed. They got postponed from April 15th all the way to July 15th. And our legislature has already signaled they're not going to have the full picture until after we adopt the budget as of June 30th. So what we expect is for the the state to revisit the 2021 budget after adoption And so we're expecting maybe in August, early September, the state will take a final look at those projections and make any revisions necessary at that point. So your point is a very good one, Lewis. Right now, how do we know if those numbers are right? I guarantee you they're they're wrong. They will be different. And so we're going to get smarter as this process goes along. But the reality for school districts, they might not know what their final budget for 2021 is until they've actually started the school year and already operating. So it's going to be a tough year for adopting budgets in California school districts. Well, one thing we do know, John, is that it's coming at a terrible time because of the coronavirus. We have added expenses. And at the same time, we're talking about massive cuts. And I couldn't imagine a worse combination. Absolutely. And and my fear, as just a basic Californian, If you looked at what happened last time, we went up and down the state and dismantled public education piece by piece. We lost 40,000 teachers, and they never came back because the recession lasted so long, and they left the profession. Becoming a teacher no longer was as attractive as it was in the past, and so coming out of this last recession into sort of a boom time where we could really hit the gas and do positive things for kids, we couldn't find teachers because there weren't enough in the pipeline. That is my fear. We've got a lot of outstanding, good, brand new, freshly trained teachers that are eager to go. And just based on the laws of the state, they're likely to be the casualties if in fact this lasts for a while and we have to reduce staffing. And that's going to really be a tragedy in my in my mind. Yet again, we're going to just disillusion thousands and thousands of new teachers who will likely ultimately leave the profession. And what's that going to do to our pipeline going forward? So this this is awful. We've been talking to John Gray, President and CEO of School Services of California. John, thank you for coming on. We look forward to talking to you about this. What is a really dire situation in the coming months? Thank you for having me. Well, that was pretty interesting. I thought John Gray's explication of this usually complicated area was super enlightening. (laughs) There are just not that many people in the state who actually can follow all of this stuff. We're going to find out a lot more next week when Governor Newsom issues his May revision of the budget which he proposed in January. And we'll know a lot more about the cuts that school and community colleges will be experiencing in the fall. 
And John, as you know, most of the attention with these budget cuts focuses on K-12 schools, but uh, we're going to be digging deeper to look at how the state's 115 community colleges will be affected as well. Please let us know what you're hearing or seeing about your local community college. Each one of them is governed by its own board of trustees, and so it's really tough to get a sense of what's happening in each of these colleges around the state. Meanwhile, schools are continuing distance learning with wide variations and degrees of success. On Tuesday, May 12th from 1 to 2 p.m., EdSource is sponsoring a webinar on innovative and effective distance learning strategies. Researchers from the Center on Reinventing Public Education at the University of Washington have looked at the practices of more than 100 districts and charter school organizations nationwide. They'll discuss their findings, and two veteran educators from California will share their perspectives. It should be an interesting event. We'll include a link on our podcast page for you to sign up, and we hope you do. Hard to believe that millions of students are still doing distance learning and have been doing it in some form or another for two months as of this week. And uh, they now have a month plus or minus before the end of the school year. So we're on the home stretch, at least on this leg of this very painful coronavirus journey. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Thanks, Kobe, for coordinating all of this from various remote locations. Our music is from Nature Wars Jazz Orchestra and Ed Source's own Justin Allen. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Stay well. Take care. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.